Takeaway is that minutes of the uh, January meeting, uh, Andrew, put markets on notice that for the moment, there's only one species of Fed official. I call it the greater or the lesser hawk. The result is the debate is only about how much higher the Fed goes and how quickly it gets there. Uh, the minutes said that all were uh, saying that more rate hikes were appropriate. Most preferred a 25 basis point hike so that they could feel their way to that higher rate. A few preferred a 50 basis point hike, which is, by the way, more than the two we know of. But we're kind of speculating who maybe a third is. Inflation risks were to the upside, economic risks to the downside. Still, the Fed wanted to hike more. Importantly, there seems to be few, if any, arguing about the lagged effects of the Fed's aggressive rate hikes or concern about over-tightening. The staff even saying a recession is possible. Well, President Jimmy Carter is now receiving hospice care at his Georgia home following a series of hospital stays. According to a statement from his foundation, Carter has decided to spend his remaining time at home with his family instead of having additional medical intervention. The 98-year-old Carter is the living, longest living president in American history. Environmental Protection Agency is on the ground in Ohio. Its stated mission to make sure Norfolk Southern does everything to fix the toxic mess caused by one of its trains flying off the tracks. The move follows three weeks of angry pleas from residents of East Palestine that the company, the agency, and the president of the United States are simply not doing enough. Every day, Joe Biden and I talk about and work together with our partners like former leader Hoyer, current leader Hoyer, um, to lower the cost for the people of our nation, because you are a leader. For working families, we have reduced heating and electricity bills. So folks have more money in their pocket to buy things like school supplies, replace the dishwasher, or take a family vacation. When I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. I meant Medicare and Medicaid. I meant veterans' benefits. I meant every single solitary thing in the government. And I not only tried it once, I tried it twice, I tried it a third time, and I tried it a fourth time. When you say it's, what does secure mean to you? It certainly doesn't mean that people aren't able to get across the border illegally. Of, of course not. That is, that, by, by that measure, the border has never been secure, right? Um, since the Department of Homeland Security was created, Individuals have evaded. So, so by what measure is it secure now, sir? So there, there is not a common definition uh, of that. If one looks at the statutory definition, the literal interpretation of the statutory language, if one person successfully evades law enforcement uh, at the border, uh, then we have breached the security of the border. So what we try to do... What's your, what defini our goal, what's your definition? What our goal is to achieve operational control of the border... What, what do you think is the basis for their calling for your impeachment? Do you think you've done anything wrong? No, I don't. I think it is a, um, a disagreement over policy, and I think it is used for political purposes uh, to uh, continue a, a negative dialogue about a migration challenge that is not unique to the United States, to continue that dialogue, to uplift it for political reasons. Uh, the announcement by uh, Russia that it's uh, suspending participation in the start is deeply unfortunate and irresponsible. Uh, we'll be watching carefully to see what uh, Russia actually does. We'll, of course, make sure that in any event we are postured appropriately for the security of our own country and, and, and that of our allies. You know, when the administration started, we extended 
new start because it was clearly in the security interests of our country and actually in the uh, security interests of, uh, of Russia. Um, and uh, that only underscores what um, uh, an irresponsible action this is. But of course, we remain uh, ready to talk about uh, strategic arms limitations uh, at any time with Russia, irrespective of anything else going on uh, in the world or in our relationship. I think it matters that uh, we uh, continue to act responsibly in this area. It's also something the rest of the world expects of us, but uh, this uh, decision, as I said, is both uh, really unfortunate and uh, very irresponsible, but we'll be watching it closely. Thank you, President. Uh, Vladimir Putin said that he is planning on suspending participation in a key nuclear weapons treaty with the United States. Now, years ago, the Trump administration wanted to pull us out of this treaty basically because the Russians were, were breaking all the rules of the treaty. What would you make of that provocation? This is a bad treaty from the start. I was on the House Intelligence Committee, and I watched how the Obama administration forced this through, despite huge problems with verification, the fact that the Russians did not have to get rid of any warheads or launchers that also limits missiles. Russia actually exchanged uh, older missiles for huge ones. Last year, they launched the Sarma II Satan missile, which had 20 uh, warheads. That was permitted under the treaty. Russia's been cheating on it. The Trump administration thought we should just let this expire unless it was fixed. But uh, uh, Biden was determined to get back in the agreement, mostly because Trump wanted to get out of it. Right. So I don't think we're losing anything here. Okay. What happened after that uh, was we recalibrated. Uh, our radars because this balloon program based on information we have now has been going on for some time um, in years past we weren't necessarily looking uh, right. at the the space in which this was happening we recalibrated the radars and as a result we saw more things that we weren't seeing in um, in the past why is the American military shooting something out of the sky over Canada because it's part of a NORAD there is a, the NORAD okay. is part of like a it, part of a it's a it's a what you call a coalition a course a, a, so, a pact okay. exactly and so that's why we were able to do that again it, we didn't do it on our own we did right. it in in uh, in uh, clearly in in, in, in in step with uh, Canada welcome back to the unregulated podcast this is episode number 121 here on a beautiful Thursday morning, February 23rd, I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your co-host, is Mike McKenna. How are things, Mr. McKenna? How has your week been? I haven't talked to you in a while. I'm eventful, kind of weird. It's recess, so folks are out of town, so I've been kind of hanging out, getting some work done. How about the party? It was fun. We've yeah. all recovered. Good show? I think so. Everybody ate all the food. You got a half a muffle lettuce sitting in your fridge up here ready to pop. So, And did we find out if we can freeze that or not? I'm actually freezing like a little eighth of a slice kind of thing. For experimental Yes, fashion. absolutely. You know, I really could just order one, right? That's probably the right answer eventually. So It's only like 30, 35 bucks door to door. Yeah. I mean, you got to be, you got to, got to be committed to a change, sandwich. Right? Well... You know, look, considering some muffaletti, you get like two meals out of it. It's not bad. Well, you know, these days you can't get a sandwich for less than 10 bucks anyway, which is ridiculous. That's the so. spirit. That's the spirit. So okay. So CNBC Fed report, um, report from the Fed meeting. I think it was in Dallas. Rate, rate hikes, no end in sight. Yeah. Why would there be? 
Inflation is popping along at six and a half percent. I mean, that's that, that's not a good answer. Even not dismissing recession worries, everything else. So we're just going to keep seeing these rates go up and up and up and up. But, you know, I'm pretty confident that we're going to have a recession and that's what's going to ultimately break inflation's back. I think I think I'm joined in this by by Chairman Powell. I think he thinks that thing, too. Yeah, well, that's either answer is not good for us. Well, this is what happens when regular Americans. This is what happens when governments, you know, when government devalues currency. Bad things happen. That's why you try to avoid it when you can. Sorry, I don't mean to be. I don't mean to be that guy, but you know, we we've had bipartisan devaluation of the currency for the last three years. Something bad's going to happen. Uh, well, you know, Brian Deese left, so yeah, I know. Well, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to find another another I punching bag. I can't, uh, of course, being the next national economic advisor, or whatever. Uh, what, what's his next gig gonna be? You think he's gonna go back and hang out with with evil Larry Fink? Yeah, I doubt he's gonna join a monastery. Or is he gonna start do a new startup and collect all the cash from the uh, inflation uh, reduction act. rate? Yeah, Re- inflation. I got a better name for it, but yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, I have no idea. I assume whatever, whatever NEC guys do. Larry Kudlow got a TV show, and like, is now the number Larry one Kudlow rated went show. Back to his TV show, so he went back to okay, his TV Jimmy show. Jimmy Carter, uh, President Carter, his foundation announced that he uh, is no longer going to uh, continue to be rushed to the hospital. He will stay at home and spend the rest of his remaining days with his family. Longest living president uh, alive yeah godspeed sir yeah wish you well you know he, he he wasn't he wasn't um he wasn't well suited for the job he seemed like a he seemed like a good guy but he just wasn't well suited for the job and of course in later yeah. years he became sort of a a bit of an odd duck you know um supporting sort of random communist causes including the palestinians and whatnot it wasn't it wasn't yeah, here's my other take on I mean, it. I, I know. Uh, I, I mean, I know, every, the, I know everybody got excited about Habitat for Humanity and built houses and stuff, but it, it, in his later years, he was pretty consistently anti-American on the on the world stage. Well, the other thing that struck me about him is uh, the Habitat for Humanity thing was to me kind of a little bit of a touchy feely, but he was a pretty vicious partisan. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. And like oh, hell yeah. It just, I'm going to go back and look in some of his greatest hits, but I know that he took lots of, lots of hard shots at people. Um, yeah. And, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, look, anyhow, he, you know, he's, he's just, just, just the way he treated Teddy Kennedy in 1980 when he stomped on him like a bug and then just kept stomping on him. I mean, it was, it was, it was fun. Fun to watch, course, but not good if you were Kennedy. Because the producer is not going to have a clue about, Billy, Billy Beer, Billy Beer, Billy Billy Carter, Billy Beer. I assume Billy's so. dead. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So, uh, toxic mess in East Palestine, Ohio. Yeah. I, I'm not I, sure which is more toxic, though. Uh, that the mess itself or the ha- the White House's handling of the situation. Yeah. So I'm getting a lot of questions about, hey, are we going to get new regulations on railroads and super fun and stuff like that? I'm like. My very strong suspicion is the administration is going to want to stop talking about this as soon as they possibly can because 
Guys, this is not complicated. You put the you put the vice president on a helicopter. You send her out there. She tours everything. She gives a speech. She gets back on the helicopter and she goes home. And everybody says, "Hey, the White House visited." That's it. That's all you got to do. I don't understand what yeah. one of the one, one of friends of my one of my friends in the in the newspaper said, "Hey, you know, Mike Regan went out there." I'm like, "Look, if I asked a thousand Americans who Mike Regan was." Literally 800 of them would be like, oh, yeah, he's President Reagan's son, right? Or grandson, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Nobody would be able to identify him as an EPA administrator. I mean, come on. This is not yeah. this is not complicated. I don't know why they can't do it. Right. And then, of course, um, Trump went out there and handed out bottles of water. It's, it's seriously. So. Trump shows up, gives a speech, buys a couple of Big Macs, gets back on his plane and flies out. And everyone's like, hey, I'm so glad he came. People are so appreciative if you just show right. up. It's not complicated. It really isn't. Of course, the white, the the, the mainstreams, the posts of the world uh, wrote a uh, scathing analysis of Trump's visit, injecting politics into the yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like they're not mentioning the fact that the Biden administration has botched this thing completely from the beginning. Um, you know, Senator uh, Vance, which is weird to say, but he's he was out there churning the water, showing the the you know oil slick bubbling up and everything else. They're they're just, I mean, Mayor, you know, Secretary Buttigieg is like he's clueless. Unless none of this, none of this on the job, you know, tr training oh, is helping him for look. his quest. No, he's for a higher office. He, he, he it's not. He I mean, I, I don't know. Look, I've never thought he could be president because he can't be because he's not really good. He wasn't a good mayor. Now he's not a good Department of Transportation secretary. Look, he was picked for one reason, right? Um, and it right. wasn't and it wasn't competence. And when you select people for reasons other than competence, guess what you get? You get incompetence. I will say yeah, there seems to be a lot of that going around. You mentioned Kamala uh just showing up. Is she not? What? What is her? What is? What is her measurement of reducing electricity bills uh, oh. and reducing fuel fuel price? You know, since year over year, electricity prices are up almost twelve percent. Year over year, fuel oil is up about twenty eight percent. And year over year, although there's been a dip, gas natural gas prices have been up about twenty five or twenty six percent. What measure? are they using to say that they've lowered these prices so that people can take vacations? Yeah, I assume what they I assume what somebody told her was all the stuff in the Inflation Reduction Act is going to ultimately reduce electricity and heating rates. Um which by the way that isn't true either. It's the only thing I could think of. The only thing I could think of. I'm like okay, somebody must have told her, "Hey, some stuff we're doing is going to reduce this stuff." I, it's hopeless. It really is hopeless. One last thought, putting it all together. Um, yeah. If if the Republican nominee um, has any skill level whatsoever in the campaign, they are going to juxtapose um, President Biden flying off to Europe with President Trump or whoever um, flying into Palestine, East Palestine, Palestine, Ohio, right? Because, I mean, the fact that this happened in the same time frame – and the president like went to Europe, just like, yeah, screw you guys. He went to Europe. I just just deaf, 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 deaf. And then the good news he fell down on him getting up on Air Force. Was that one. him that slid all the way down? The, no, he didn't slide clip? all the way down. No, he didn't slide all the way down, but he he, he did slip. He did fall. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so the um, so so basically, President Biden. Basically, Tom, you got to quit your bitching because we got low electricity and heating rates, and everything's cool <laughs> everything's in Ohio. So great. Everything great. So everything great. Everything's so good in this country. I've decided to fix Ukraine. So. <laughs> Okay, so uh, speaking of President Biden, the the clip I played was uh, President Biden on the floor during one of the uh, debt limit debates many, many years ago. I call it the continuing evolution of Joe Biden or devolution of Joe Biden. He is supremely confident in everything he says, or at least when he was coherent. He was literally talking about the very thing he completely chastised his former colleagues during the state of the union i'm not gonna touch any of these programs and blah 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 and all that stuff i mean this is the issue with with president biden or or folks like president biden who have been in this town for 50 years they have reversed and reversed and reversed so many times that it's it's not even impossible to keep track anymore you said it best about a year ago. You said it, his head is just full of 50 years worth of talking points and slogans and half-baked facts and that you're just never sure which button to hit. So sometimes you get weird stuff. <laughs> I think it's the greatest explanation of Joe Biden I've ever heard. Okay. So uh, I played these two clips from Secretary Mayorkas because one um, – I don't think he has a clue. I think he's very, I don't know what his background was. What, what, where was he before? This uh, is Homeland Secretary. Yeah, no, I know who, I know who he is. Who's uh, in charge of the border? I'm just telling our, I don't our know. listeners. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I know the guy in charge of HHS isn't a doctor or healthcare well, guy. Well, he basically said, but I don't know where this based guy is. on the, based on the definition of, of secure, of the, of the, you know, law or whatever the statute the border has never been secure yeah like yeah not one person is gonna slip out of you know slip slip across the border and hence it's never been secure people understand what secure is and what secure isn't right and i mean you know you know you're losing an argument when you say stuff like that you're just like it's like it's like legal definition everything's fine well that depends on what the definition of is yeah, it's 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 a it's a pitch only a lawyer could love, which is why you don't let lawyers write your talking points. You let them review them, but not write them, because they write stuff like that, and you're just like, that probably works in front of a judge, but out here in the court of public opinion, two and a half million people cross that border every year, every two hundred thousand every month. Yeah, let me let me give some numbers. Uh, uh, I want to give some of the latest numbers. 150, nearly 157,000 illegal immigrants were apprehended attempting to cross the U.S. border in January of 2023, which is the highest total uh, for January in 22 years. For the first time in history, monthly apprehensions at the southern border have surpassed 150,000 for 23 consecutive months. Yeah. This okay. Is, this is the most. This is the most epic slow motion invasion of the United States we can imagine. It, you know, and I know Mayorkas is all jammed about getting getting impeached, but there's really no other remedy for Congress except to zero his funding out. Right? I mean, they they got to do something. 
1,413 pounds of fentanyl and nearly 10,000 pounds of meth amphetamine were seized at the southern border in january yeah yeah in january so the so can i can i jump in there for a second on the fentanyl thing of course yeah president literally literally the day before he flies off to europe and keep in mind this is a guy who who showed up at the border for a cup of coffee he went to el paso had a cup of coffee with the border patrol and skedaddled he spent like two three days in europe the day before he goes to europe what does he tweet out there's 70,000 deaths, 70,000 Americans have died from fentanyl. We should probably do something about it. Literally yeah. that- Well, he, I'm like, clearly he didn't tweet it out, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, I'm like, how? Yeah, no, it's- I very it's rarely classic, get out. I very rarely get classic, out. Take your, it, it's classic, take your weak points and try to pivot and turn them into- Yeah, but see, that assumes that people are morons and it's just not happening this time. It's just not happening. So, you know, uh, his answer to on the, the, the impeachment actually made me feel more inclined to support his yeah, impeachment. Yeah, me too. Which is funny because uh, I've been... I, I wasn't there. No, me neither. I, didn't, I don't think the Republicans should do that. But I, I'm starting to think, you know, maybe he's just... Maybe he just needs to be impeached because of his, like, complete incompetence. He, he seems basically. he seems totally detached from reality. And when this when this was first, when I first heard of this thing, which was a, a year ago, I was like, I don't know if that's a good idea. But you know what? The the more he talks, the more I'm thinking. I'm not sure it's a bad idea either. You know, if if you're not going to follow any part of the law you're charged with with enforcing, maybe you should be impeached. Yeah. yeah, maybe you know it's it's it's. I mean, it, you know, migrates us towards a parliamentary system, but I, God Almighty, I don't know what else you can do with a guy like this. Okay, so um, I played two clips for you uh, regarding the news this past week that Pres uh, Vladimir Putin is suspending the um, Salt Agreement, Start, Start Agreement. Sorry, yes, with uh, the United States. Yeah. The secretary, Blinken, said that this was deeply unfortunate and irresponsible, but yet they're ready to talk, irregardless of what's happening in Europe. Now, the other clip was from a guy named Fred Fleets. Um, and not, Fred's background is... Not Fred Fleets. He was vice chair. He's currently vice chair of that America First deal with Brooke and everybody. Uh, but he was NSC chief of staff under Trump. He, he's a spook, CIA, and he was on House and in Intel. Fleets was like, nah, no big deal. Yeah, I tend to So agree. which is it? It's is no it big deeply deal. deeply unfortunate and irresponsible, or is it like no big deal? I'm pretty confident that Secretary Blinken believes everything from not having his favorite hair conditioner in stock to <laughs> nuclear war who, with the Chinese is deeply unfortunate. Who do you, who do you think has better hair? Um, Fred Lincoln or Newsom? Oh, Newsom! Yeah, you know. Yeah. Here's the thing with Blinken, and this is going to be this is, gonna, this is a hot take. It's going to get me in trouble. He's obviously balding. You know, you can tell the hair's starting to thin out and whatnot, right? And well, you know, Newsom is Newsom is still a, a man in his prime with a great big giant <laughs> head of hair. Wait a minute, you can't talk about men and women in their prime. I you just get, did. I just it. did. Just Google, Google it. it. Google it. Just Google, Google it. it. Um, so yeah, no. So uh, I don't know this Fred dude, um, but 
he's right. It's this is no big thing. I think what the Russians actually said was they weren't gonna they were gonna suspend talks for the next phase of start. Um, I, I yeah. Well, you know, it's just a it contributes to this narrative that you know we're on the brink, right? We got to continue. Whoa. The answer is oh, we got to spend send even more money to Ukraine. We we have to do even well, more. You know, I would feel um, I would feel better if this administration decided whether they you know wanted to butch it up permanently or just butch it up in a cyclical thing. If we're really at war and, with the Russians through a proxy, yeah, we should just no, be clear about bad. that. And Blinken should just said, you know what, I expected no less from these from these you know um, these authoritarian bastards. In yeah, Moscow. I think this is. Bordering on insane. Uh, you we, got, we're we're you got, spending a lot of time and money uh, over there, and China is over here, and they're the real enemy. You got a real problem. You have got a seriously. You have grown people now in the Republican Party talking about sending the Ukrainians F-16s. I'm like, what could possibly go wrong? Hell, we had mm-hmm. to buy them thirty new Abrams tanks because we couldn't say we we couldn't find any of our own. It this thing is like we have literally in about four months gone from no offensive weaponry to let's send them some F sixteens and see what happens. I'm like, what? Yeah, and then uh, Biden also mentioned that he wants to help build some nuke plants for Poland. Did you catch that? I didn't. Um, it it um... because Poland refuses to play along. By the way, they're still burning coal. Yeah, so. no, I, I, you know, it it. I guess we'll we'll uh, I like you know, Poland help Poland build build their nuke plants. I like Poland better than like any other any other um any other country in that part of the world. But I'm not sure I want to get in the business of building power plants for relatively healthy economic countries. Like yeah, I'm I'm not sure I want to be in us to be in the business of doing almost anything that we're doing right now, especially the huge uh, you know wads of cash that were thrown around uh, over there so maybe we uh, should that's just my take maybe we should um here's an idea maybe we should get to building nuclear plants in the united states and then you oh know, gee. We could hmm. send them off to poland or then we could go build some in poland well what we could do is you know create an agency that's supposed to regulate the commission as opposed to eliminate the commission Whatever. but uh eliminate the industry i should say so balloons are still hanging around. They're still floating around. But fortunately, the Department of Defense and Secretary Blinken are on the case because they recalibrated their radars. And therefore, we see a lot more balloons now. And we're going to take care of it. We're going to be aggressive about it, uh, including, as the sec- press secretary said, helping our whatever it, it is that she was able to try and Get out of her mouth, the press secretary, and this is our Hemingway of the week. She did not know how to describe NATO. She needed help from the from the anchor, and then she called our neighbors to the north, Canada. It is Canada, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, Canada. so 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 Canada is not it. It uh, that's funny because that's what everybody in my family calls it. Yeah, so she's right in line. Maybe she was at your party. We, we that, just, that's why we all just like, yeah, you know, he's a Canadian, you know, from Canada. Blame Canada. Just, just 
All right. So, so ladies sec- and gentlemen, the this- press secretary just keeps on delivering the hits. Just, uh, just we, so you we know, we very much appreciate her. Just so you know, here at the unregulated podcast. This is the face of our government to the rest of the entire world. It's not, you know, we're making fun of it, but there's people over in like African Europe who are listening to this going, what? What the hell's going on over there? Yeah. Announcements? Uh, I am hoping, and I don't know if we can do, you know what? We, we, we may have a special guest next week, and if we do, we'll try to figure out a way to let everybody know. All right. I'll take that. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. I have no announcements this week, so we can move straight into this day in history unless you've got anything no, else. No, I might as well take my beating now. All right. <laughs> this is just so perfect. 1861. 1861 today. February 23rd. Year of our Lord, 1861. February 23rd. You know, somebody seceded. I'm just trying to figure out who. No, 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 no. No? Well, uh, so think about when uh, when presidents are sworn in back then versus now. I gave it away. Yeah, no. We're, President-elect Abraham Lincoln arrives in Washington, D.C. amid secrecy and tight security. With seven states having already succeeded from the Union since his election, and the threat of civil war hanging in the air. So Lincoln agreed to the covert arrival. Uh, A myth arose that Lincoln had dressed as a woman to avoid detection, but this was not the case. He did draw considerable criticism in the press for his unceremonious arrival. Northern diarist George Templeton Strong commented that if convincing evidence of a plot did not surface, quote, the surreptitious nocturnal dodging will be used to damage his moral position and throw ridicule on this administration. His moral position? So anyway. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, George. He it, it just he, he got us into I, he got us into the mess anyhow. It was all good. Besides, it was just so perfect because you know. We have to mention Abraham Lincoln now in every episode. So, eight, 1945, 1945. February uh, 23rd, 1945. Uh, yes, sir. We, uh, we crossed the Ruhr River into Germany. No. We, Other side. Other side of the battle. The, the Russians entered east. Oh, uh, oh, don't tell me. I know this. Uh, February 23rd, 1945. We planted the flag on Suribachi, the Marines, the United States Marine Corps. Boom! You are good. I just I gave you a little nudge, but you nailed it. Yeah. Sorry, U.S. flag uh, is raised on Iwo Jima to, on this day. To my Marine, to my relatives who are Marines, there are no such things as former Marines. To my relatives who are Marines and my friends, I apologize for not instantly getting that. That's a That's inexcusable. Sorry. During the bloody battle for Iwo Jima, U.S. Marines from the 3rd Platoon, East Company, 2nd Battalion, 28th Regiment of the 5th Division of the Crest of Mount Sarabachi, the island's highest peak and most strategic position, and raised the U.S. flag. Marine photographer Louis Lowry was with them and recorded the event. America's fighting for control of Sarabachi slopes cheered the raising of the flag, and several hours later, more Marines headed up to the crest with the larger flag. 
So, yeah. And of course, we know that it is now the famous memorial on the other side of the river. It's probably one of my favorites, actually. The Marine Corps Memorial thing? Yeah, I love it. So cool. So, all right. Uh, 1954, unless you had any more on that. Nope. Uh, okay, 1954 on this day in 1954. Uh, not one clue. So on this day, the first group of children from Arsenal Elementary School in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, received the first injections of the new polio, polio vaccine yeah, direct, polio. developed by Dr. Jonas Salk. Thanks to the vaccine, by the 21st century, polio, polio cases were reduced by 99% worldwide. So, of course, Franklin Donald Roosevelt, uh, one of the famous victims of said impalement, um, and you know it's interesting to me. Yes. For the very for the longest time ever, vaccines were not controversial, and then, then leave it to the government to screw that up. And they are. <laughs> right. Yep. So. Okay, so that's it for this day in history. What do you want to? Where do you want to wander to today? You know, I really don't have much. Actually, I don't have anything at all. So, like I said, it's a recess week. What What's left to talk about? All right. Well, then let me throw out a couple of things. You actually brought this up or sent it to me. So let's start with that. Uh, this was a, a blog from Energy Institute at Haas. Yes. The uh, title, A Very Expensive Winter, Wholesale Electricity Prices in California This Year Were the Highest in a Decade. For... Um, December 22 was the highest price month in over a decade for the California electricity market. The yeah, average prices since 2009, uh, let's see, $255 a megawatt hour. Yeah. January this month, uh, last month was 139. Yeah. So they, they, it's, so you brought this up. So what, what, what was your, uh, well, I mean, the, the, so so the Haas Institute writes with the University of California at Berkeley. They are not uh, they are not right wingers. Um, one of their economists said, "Hey, this has been a this has been a really expensive winter, mostly because, um, mostly because natural gas was expensive. So natural gas fired generation was expensive." He didn't sort of finish the argument, which is, you know, um, that that the expense exposed a couple of things. One is California needs more natural gas. Two is they need more electricity generation. Um, and three is that they still rely way too much on natural gas for their own personal tastes, right? Not for mine, but I don't live in California. Um, here's the problem, right? If you're going to have a system like like California's, and this is the system everybody wants us to have, right? It's essentially a double-decker yeah. system. Right. And well, not everybody wants. Well, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, our betters, our betters want us to have. Um, it's a double decker system, right? You have you have a system that has about twice as much capacity as you need. First is wind and solar and whatever, and that's all great. But then what you got to have is essentially a second system that's essentially the same size, made up Which of coal and redundancy, right? That's right, made up of coal, natural gas, and nuclear. And this, this, this. Winter in California's first sign of that. I thought it was interesting that the guys at Cal Berkeley were the first guys to raise their hand and mention it. 
Well, now you have the problem in the summer, and now you're going to have the problem in the winter. The, and it's it's the, it's, uh, it's an, know, in the summer, of course they they try to make up for any capacity uh, loss or or uh, scarcity by buying it from you know Arizona or New Mexico or Nevada. But when Nevada and New Mexico uh, and Arizona need it, like no, I don't have any to give you, right? So yeah, I mean it, it. It look it's a it's the same problem with the with Germany. It's the same problem all across Europe, right? You essentially have a double deck system, right? You have a you have a system that that's twice as big as it probably needs to be, and consumers well, we're going pay, green though. It's all in the name of going. Consumers green. pay for it. Yeah, I, I'm willing to so. bet. I'm willing to bet we consume more oil and natural gas. We the planet this year than last, and next year than we did this year, and the year after than we would have done in 2024. It it. This this stuff all all of it's great, but none of it none of it none of it makes any sense in the numbers. And things that don't make sense mathematically, my friends, ultimately don't happen. So the um, response, of course, is we have Governor Newsom has called for a federal investigation. <laughs> it's these guys create these guys create these problems into what these problems happen. The consequences of the problems are reflected in the impacts on voters, consumers, families. And then they run around and like, you know, blame greed, like with the Ohio situation, the, the Biden administration is blaming the greed of the, you know, insatious appetite of the railroad, right? And now he's calling for a federal investigation. Dude, it's your stuff. It's your policy. I agree. We should, have a to all of this. we should have a federal investigation of of how the Californians have managed to wreck their energy markets. We should definitely do that. We yes. Should definitely talk uh, about resource we'll adequacy. Have to wait for, we'll have to wait for someone else uh, to come around for that. Maybe we, maybe, okay. maybe we should say that to Governor Newsom. Hang on, we're coming. And when we get there, we will have an investigation. You might not like it, though. So here's an interesting piece I saw uh, earlier in the week from E&E Daily, which is, of course, Politico. The House Democrat trying to move his party on NEPA reform. Did you catch this? Scott Perry. Yeah, I did. Scott Peters. Peters. Sorry, Scott Perry's the guy from Pennsylvania. Scott Peters from, uh, I don't know where he's from. From California. California. He's one of you. So members of both parties and chambers restart negotiations on... (laughs) Okay, I I laugh because it's not what it was, but legislation to speed up the permitting process for energy projects. The California lawmaker wants to take on the role of bipartisan dealmaker, leveraging the relationships he's formed across uh, with his credibility uh, earned as an environmental advocate. Yeah. I have bad news for the you. Right man, like a quote, the boogeyman we're all, we've always heard about is, oh, you're trying to change NEPA. And yeah, I am trying to change NEPA, Peter said in an interview. If it keeps us from saving the planet, yeah. Yeah. And that was his money quote too. The... um. Here's the thing, and this is a, you know, permitting reform. But We're grinding. For those who maybe back up and just give a nutshell of NEPA. Look, if you don't know what NEPA is, you should probably turn off your radio right now. Uh, some of, okay, fine. Sorry, is that not a day? NEPA is the law that basically NEPA is the for, national. Uh, every clogging uh, of every permit to, that the federal government want, has Okay, see, issued. that's not an explanation. That's propaganda. You want me to explain <laughs> it? I'll explain yeah. it. The National yeah. Environmental Protection Act requires 
any project that involves federal funding as a practical matter that's been defined to include anything on the planet um, um, to assess its impact on the its likely impact on the environment and to propose alternatives as a it's a very short it's a very short piece of legislation it's only a couple of pages um, but the but over the years it was passed it was it passed in 1970 over the years it has become encrusted and now people have to do all kinds of different things and it is um it is a gateway drug to people who want to stop anything yeah. from getting permitted it started out just like almost everything is a you know sort of been relatively thoughtful but 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 uh, benign That's thing right. and it's turned into the so so but so, anyway the so here's my question though here's what i believe is the challenge for people like Congressman Peters, um, they they're going to have a hard time streamlining NEPA for their own pet projects. Well, without, uh, yeah, and that's what without, I was without it cutting into you know support for reforming the whole thing. Which really, the they're not going to be able to like just uh, just apply apply NEPA reform to wind and solar, for example, or or whatever else, right? Yeah. So how's he gonna? How's that gonna track? Yeah, and that's the thing, right? So, you know, it's the parlor game now among environmental lobbyists in town. You know, energy environmental lobbyists. How many? You know, what's your percentage take on whether permitting reform is going to happen? And some guys are like, eighty percent, but it's not going to mean anything, right? It's going to be a shell of a bill. I think I think there's a chance like fifty fifty something actually gets passed that has timelines in it. But the idea that something's going to reform NEPA. Environmentalists are never going to let that happen, and I'll tell you why. They don't have it yet in their heads, and this is partially why I sent you the Cal Berkeley thing, right? These three things are connected. You've got to permit pipelines, you've got to permit transmission, and you've got to build um, whatever kind of generation you feel like building, renewables or other things. But if you're not prepared to build pipelines, you're not going to have an energy transition because you're not going to have the natural gas needed to back up the system. And if you're yeah, not Well, we don't need one, but anyway. Whatever, I don't care. And if if you're right. if you're if you're not, you know, if you're not um if you don't permit transmission, you're not going to have an energy transition. Right? So everybody who wants an energy transition, whatever however you define that, you guys better get used to the idea that we're going to need to build a lot more pipelines and just a hell of a lot more transmission. And that means as a practical matter that this guy Peters, in in about five years, he's going to be the left wing of this reform NEPA thing. I think once the environmentalists figure out how difficult it is to build stuff and why, they're going to come back to Congress, like I said. But it's going to take about five years. That's the interesting thing, right? Somebody asked me about this. I'll tell you what I said. I said, why, why, why are these bills so lousy, these permanent reform bills? Like because the environmentalists have never tried to build anything, therefore they don't know where any of the problems in the process are, and that's the truth. And truthfully, um, the guys and the the Republicans, um, a lot of the Republicans in the process, including you know one particular former Senate staffer, um, they've never tried to permit anything, so they have no idea what the problems in the system are. You really want to get a bill? Get yourself some lawyers who have tried to permit pipelines and transmission lines together. You know, we'll 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 iron it out for you in about six hours. This guy Peters, he's gonna wander around for years probably on this thing.
Okay, so quick update on EVs, because we talked last week about the fact that this whole thing is kind of unraveling. The front page of the Wall Street Journal today, front fold says, auto executives wrestle with how fast to move to electric. Yada, yada, yada. Questions uh, about the availability, challenges uh, in the supply chain, the battery issue. And then this uh, also on the heels of yet another announcement from a EV company. Lordstown stock falls on recall. <laughs> Making cars can be hard. Lordstown Motors announced Thursday a recall and production pause to address quality issues. The, co- the company's endurance pickup trucks could lose propulsion because of an electrical connection issue. Look, that there sounds- is a market for EVs. <laughs> I'm all for them. They're great in certain circumstances. If you live in D.C., San Francisco, New York, whatever, you're going six miles, eight miles, whatever. The, this isn't this isn't going to work because you need power to move big things. Yeah. Right. And every time that they have tried to create a vehicle that can do that, they're failing. They're not producing these vehicles. So that's my short and sweet on EVs. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's probably, we're going to say a lot more. We're going to say 10,000 more words about EVs, probably. <sighs> I don't know if I'm up for that. Come on, I'm man. I'm sure that's a good Come thing. on. You know what? If you're serious about EVs, you need pipelines. Maybe we should talk about that because you're going to need power 24-7 on the regular. You're going to need natural gas. You're going to need natural gas generation. You're just going to. All right, I'm going to switch gears, if yep. you don't mind, and I want Not to get your take on this. This was from the Wall Street Journal in uh, on February 17th. The headline is, to increase equity, school districts eliminate honors classes. Supporters say uniform classes create rigor for all students, but critics say cuts hurt faster learners. A group of parents stepped up to the lectern Thursday at a school board meeting in this middle-class LA area, this is Culver City, to push back against a racial quality initiative. The high school, they argued, should reinstate honors English classes that were eliminated because they didn't enroll enough Black and Latino residents. The parents disagreed. The pushback in Culver City mirrors resistance that has taken place in Wisconsin, Rhode Island, and elsewhere in California over the last year in response to schools stripping away the honors designation on some high school classes. Yes. What would you like me to say? I don't, you don't have to say anything if you don't want. I just, uh, I, I, I'm not sure when this ends or if this ends. This ends when parents decide and, they've and, had and enough. The dumbing, dumbing down of what it is to graduate. I, I know anecdotally that um, somebody who is a Spanish speaking student, uh, this is a story that was told to me directly, spent their entire high school google translating yeah lectures why not and graduated and now they can't cut it they got accepted to college or in college but are struggling mightily 
because they can no longer Google translate everything. It, the, the pace is too, too quick. fast and it's too, it's too quick. Give me I mean, you can graduate from high school by Google translating to get your way through. Yeah. And they keep making, they keep lowering and lowering the bar for, for high school. Yeah. What, what is that going to what does that say about our future? It says that our future is going to look a lot like our past with smart people running things and unsmart people doing work. Who knows? For all you know, this kid's a genius. He was smart enough to figure out the Google Translator. Maybe he'll do well in the next generation. I don't know. Yeah, well, I will say this much. The, I will say this much. Degree. We're we're, you know, there was a there was a boomlet of conversation about 2 weeks ago about how like 700,000 kids that they were expecting to come back to school haven't come back to school. The There seems to be some signs that the public school um, monopoly is starting to shake apart. But but I'm not sure. Until parents de- until parents de- de- demand better, we're not going to get better. This is that, you know. I mean, they got a they have a terrible struggle against an incredibly powerful bureaucracy. It'd be it'd, it'd be nice if they got some help. And plus, we got we got, I think we got like 13 states at the end of this cycle are going to have um, school choice. I suspect that's going to help too. Okay, so moving on from keeping honors classes to the race for the presidency, this is just hot news, breaking news. Vivek Ramaswamy, Ramaswamy has joined the race. Heck yeah, for the presidency of the United States. Yeah, man. A 37-year-old Ohio native attended Harvard and earned a law degree from Yale, but don't hold that against him. This is from the Wall Street Journal editorial page. In 2014, he founded a biotech firm. Uh, we've come to know him over the years through his contributions to these pages, which are provocative and well thought, even if we disagree. Um, let's see. Mr. Ramaswamy is calling for revival of national self-confidence based on the principles that have lifted all Americans. This means re-embracing the importance of merit again and work and culture as opposed to leveling based on race, gender, and class. Good segue. The author, Arthur Brooks, calls this earned success. Campaigning for the White House has become a vanity project for some people who have no chance. See Marianne Williamson and Dennis Kucinich. Mr. Ramaswamy will have to persuade voters that he's more than that, as well as overcome doubts about his relative youth. Vivek Sin, the the anti ESG guy. What do you think? I've been reading his stuff for years. I think I I couldn't be more excited. I actually, it's funny. I sent it was two days ago. I sent a request through his through his Twitter thing. I'm like, hey, I want to I want to interview you. Like, write a couple of columns off it, and. He said, great, let's do it. You know, here's my scheduler's email address. Like, you guys figure it out. That was the morning and literally the afternoon. He announced for president like 1 o'clock, 1.30, something like that. Oh, like, man, you could have oh, scooped it, brother. Right. I'm like, dude, why don't you, you know, well, I've been thinking about it for like two weeks and it's you know, one of those things I didn't get to. He's going to be a disruptive force in the Republican Party. He is going to get, get be able to debate and all that good oh, stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, he, and I'm, he's going to he's going to set the rightward post. Doesn't matter if he's going to debate. Really, he's going to set the rightward post um, in all these conversations. And he is a legitimate national conservative, right? He he's he, he speaks not to politics. He speaks to nationalism. Um, 
and and a and a and a culture and a people. It's going to be really interesting to watch the left trying to marginalize this guy. So I had the same concerns that the Wall Street Journal has about this because a lot of the, a lot of times these things are just sort of you get your you get your name out there for you know a couple of cycles and whatnot. But maybe you're right. Uh, it will it'll be yet to be seen. You know, obviously the most important thing from my perspective is his crusade against ESG and the what he calls the new climate religion that shackles the u.s and leaves china untouched so if that's part of the conversation i'm all for that for sure yeah i mean and, you know, and he, he speaks he speaks directly right he's not afraid he's just like hey here it is bang i mean i'm sure they're gonna mark him up but i'm sure i'm i'm equally sure he's not gonna back down at all because he so what do you think uh trump's nickname is gonna be for him uh, i think trump's gonna steer a wide path around this guy He's not going to any yeah, part of it. I don't him. know. He called. He said he's not going to call Ron DeSantis a meatball. I don't know if he caught that. I did. Congratulations. Yeah. Your you know, adolescence has finally taken hold. Yeah. I think that's going to offend some people. Which? Not calling Ron DeSantis a meatball? No. I think, I think that as, as, as Governor DeSantis uh, continues to ignore the barbs, He's going to get even more childish in his barbs, and it's. I think it's going to backfire. I would think so. There was a survey done, and I in Michigan. It was done in Michigan. I'm not sure who did it, um, but it came out like yesterday, I think, where they asked that question: "Hey, Trump calling does does President Trump calling Governor DeSantis Ron DeSanctimonious? DeSanctimonious. Does it make you um, think less of Ron DeSantis or think less of President Trump?" That that split was five percent said, "Hey, it makes me think less of Ron DeSantis." Forty percent said, "It makes me think less of President Trump." Yeah, I, the, it's just I don't want to say this, but I I, I feel like I, I got to say it. It's a little bit like we're watching a forty-two-year-old boxer. Okay, here's another one in the race for the presidency. This is from the Washington Examiner this morning. Tim Scott calls for common ground conservatism and campaign style stop in Utah. Yeah. Senator Tim Scott's positioned himself as the best alternative to the world of petty politics and abrasive mannerisms as he considers a White House bid in 2024, specifically pointing fingers at his colleagues on the left as he calls for new leadership. Pretend you were our nation's greatest enemy, he told supporters. Say you wanted a blueprint to ruin America. What would you put it in? What would you put in it? First, you'd take aim at our patriotism. You'd amplify attention seekers who say America is an evil country, make it easy to get rich and famous by feeding the empty calories of anger to people starving for hope. In other words, if you wanted to ruin America, you'd keep doing exactly what Joe Biden has let the far left do to our country for the past two years. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I read that quote, and it, as in the run-up to the end of the quote, I thought he was going to talk about us. He was going to say, "Hey, you know, you'd 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 be like, you know, you'd be like the Trump guys or something." Um, but then he kind of pivoted at the last. Man, eh, you'd be like Joe Biden and the left guys. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure, if that's what we're going to do here. Yeah, I'm kind of interested with with um, Senator Scott. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna raise money. Um, he's gonna get on TV. Um, I don't know if he's going to have anything to say beyond we should be nice to each other. You know, it. I mean, he's got a he's got a compelling personal story. Um, I just don't know if that's enough. You know, he's compelling personal story. He's a nice guy. Um, you know, he, 
but at some point somebody's going to say, okay, what what's there, right? And it, you know, it's not, you know, it's not like Jimmy Carter in nineteen seventy six when Watergate was a big enough thing. He's like, hey, he's a nice guy, he's a Christian guy, let's go ahead and vote right. for him, right? Is this is not that time, right? So I, I yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I hope he. Hope uh, I'm I'm actually about uh, getting back to governors. So I like Senator Scott, but I kind of would like to see a governor be be president. So does Mike Pence count? Oh, well, he was a governor. Yeah, not, he was I'm a not exactly sure he's the right one, but yeah. we'll see. Okay. Anyhow, it'll be interesting. So here's a, a another quote from Senator Scott at this Iowa rally. So for those of you on the left, you can call me a prop. You can call me a token. You can call me the N-word. You can question my blackness. You can even call me Uncle Tim. Just understand, your words are no match for my evidence. Yeah, the, ev added, the evidence. My existence was... shows your relevance. The truth of my life disproves your lies. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, it does, I guess. I mean, yeah, it does. Let me just say, yeah, it does. Um, I'm not sure it's a particularly convincing argument, but I mean, I've, I've only because I've watched guys, I've watched other guys try to make it and other guys like fail making it, right? Ben Carson and Tom Sowell. I hope he's I hope he's successful. The the thing I, I don't think he completely understands is the amount of grievance out there. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, it, 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 it was being inflamed and stoked. Well, yeah, too, but right? see, the thing about it, it has nothing to do with race. There's just an entitlement mentality. I still, and it, I still it, it go back to it. Alights on whatever your particular beef is. It, but the problem is the underlying mentality. I still go back to um, Morgan Freeman's interview back in the day on 60 Minutes. Remember we played that yeah. a few weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm, that I'm. Stop talking about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but. See, just but, stop talking about it. But see, that's the thing about it. Guys like Morgan Freeman, guys like Tim Scott, they don't start with the entitlement mentality, so they don't end with it. Everybody else on the, especially on the left, has an entitlement mentality, and that, like I said, it lights on whatever your particular beef is. Yeah, that's a black guy. I'm a black guy. I'm a woman. I'm tall. I'm short. I'm thin. I'm fat. I'm pretty. I'm ugly. I'm well dressed. I'm not. Right? There's always something. Okay, so we have so far, we have President Trump, we have Nikki Haley, now we have Vivek Ramaswamy. Who's the next announced candidate for President of the United States? Tim Scott. You think he's going to come in first? Yep. All right, we'll see. We'll do this periodically, uh, do a little update on the race for the presidency, and I am racing to get out of here for a meeting, so do you have anything else for us? No, man, I'm good. Okay, well, here's what I will do. I will close with a powerful message from the President of the United States about building coalitions of nations. We build a coalition of nations from the Atlantic to the Pacific, NATO to the Atlantic, Japan to the Pacific, I mean, across the, across the world. Good so inspirational. Good lord. <sighs> I can't even. The one thing that's going to happen here is this: someday this presidency will end, and then what are we going to do? Yeah, then we're going to be sad like Robert Duvall. Someday this presidency is going to end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Great to spend some time with you this week. Thanks to our 
co-host the Washington Times, uh, and thank you for being you. That is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Episode number 121 is in the books. Namaste. Namaste.